This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome to the MVFC First and Goal podcast. I'm Kelly Burke. And blessed to sit down today with a longtime head coach at South Dakota State, John Stiglmeyer, ahead of camp starting later today. Coach, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you. always appreciate uh, your efforts, and uh, I do enjoy your podcast, so it's good to be here. Thank you. Coach, when I talk to your players, both past and present, the word faith comes up a lot. How do you rely on your faith as the leader of the South Dakota State football program? we all have priorities in our life. And, and, and sometimes as a coach, uh, honestly, uh, football becomes, uh, not only a priority, but a addiction. And so for me, my faith allows me to handle the ups and downs. It allows me to handle a really special times for our players. And, uh, I think, uh, as I live it out and as I coach that way, uh, I think our players see a, a real person, if you will, and uh, it's not my goal to, to, to bring them to Christ, yeah. but it's my goal to live my life uh, for Christ and coach for Christ. What's an example of a time when maybe your faith has been tested? <laughs> I'll be brutally honest with you. Um, there was a time here uh, years ago where one of my bosses uh, brought me in. Uh, we put together what's called a mad manual, yeah. which is uh, simply our policy book. Uh, and, uh, he brought me in and, and he had it laying on his desk. And so I thought he's going to, he's going to talk to me how cool this, this doc is. And he opened it up to the faith part and he said, do you put this together? I said, I do. And he told me if I do it another time, I'm going to be released. I'm wow. going to be fired. Wow. Uh, uh, so I walked back to my office and sat in my, sat by my desk. And I just looked at the ceiling and pondered what he said. And, uh, we continued to put in there. We continued to have chat. What came out of that is I started praying more for my boss. And so uh, um, uh, we ended up having success. And I obviously haven't been released from my job. <laughs> and and uh, again, like you said, faith is an important part of our program. Coach, you're entering your 23rd season at South Dakota State, which also happens to be your alma mater. How are you different as a coach now than you were year one in Brookings? I, we don't have time to answer that, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that question. I started out as a coach uh, thinking that I was supposed to uh, adjust the players. You know, I got after them about earrings. I got after them about tattoos. I got after them about uh, long hair. And uh, that's kind of the way I grew up. And uh, what ended up happening is the players didn't like me for long. It wasn't, it wasn't oil and water, but it just it was – and finally, I realized that God made everyone individually, and I should rejoice, rejoice in their individuality. Yeah. And so I now I ask guys why they got the tattoo, and I ask guys about their earrings. And uh, the only thing I don't allow is I don't allow them to have their pants sagging. But other than that, I want them to be themselves. And, and so that's a huge change. The other thing that's changed, Kelly, is uh, I've, I've really uh, been able to release the football stuff to our coaches and, and truly – be a head coach. There was a time where I wanted to be involved and, 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 you know, micromanage, if you will. And honestly, we have great coaches, so I need to get out of their way and let them coach. So yeah. I've been able to do that uh, uh, a lot, lot better. 
Why has Brookings been such a good fit for you? Even though it's my alma mater, I, I didn't come here thinking I was going to be here uh, 23 years as head coach, 32 as a coach. I came here with the same intentions that a lot of coaches do is to climb that ladder. And again, as I matured in my, my uh, priorities and it's faith and it's family and it's football, uh, we realized that uh, my wife and I, my wife Lori and I realized that uh, why move your family all around? We've not won a national championship here. That's the goal. And so keep pl plowing away at that. And, and uh, we'll, we will do that someday. And that will be exciting and that will be rewarding. And, and I know coaches look at me and go, why have, haven't you moved? And I look at them and say sometimes and say, why have you moved? And so <laughs> we feel blessed to be here this long. So I noticed the holy nutmeg sign above the door there. And your Twitter handle is also holy nutmeg. What's the backstory behind that? Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure where it came, but uh, at one point on the on the field, I said "Holy Nutmeg," and that's become that's become the word that when I say that, the players know that I'm up that. Right? <laughs> that's maybe my form of profanity, if you will. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, it just when I when I see something that just amazes me or baffles me, it just comes out, and it's it's done it for a lot of years. So um, I'm not totally sure where it came from. So. <laughs> nice. I was reading that your staff has 18 questions that you ask recruits, and a lot of it's focused around accountability. What's an example of one of the questions you would maybe ask a recruit? My favorite question is, what's your greatest accomplishment outside of sports? You know, uh, I want to know what this guy stands for. I don't know. I want to know what he's proud of. And I've, I've heard some amazing, literally amazing uh, comments to that question. I've had one young man look at me and say, Coach, I haven't accomplished it yet. <laughs> you know, saying there's more to come. You know, I had guys uh, take care of their little sisters and be the parent. I've had, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. Uh, I love to ask them how they handle losing. I love to ask them what I would see in a hallway if I was in a hallway and they didn't know I was there. What kind of guy would I see in the hallway of school? And just trying to get to know them beyond their 40 time, their bench press, their height and weight. We want to be committed to them for five years. We want to know every, everything about him. You guys have now made seven straight playoff appearances, two straight semifinal appearances. What's the common element now that this program has found during this run that's enabled the sustained success? I know this, that every senior class that graduates uh, passes a, symbolically a baton to the next group and says it, it, it wasn't good enough we, we're not there yet yeah. and uh even though i hate that last game in the locker room when the seniors careers in i, I cherish their comments to the team because we have a tradition that they address the team then and so i think the expectations of uh of uh, uh of competing for a championship our program's based on what my dad taught me on the farm uh hard work be a man of character and uh, make the correct decision we have a lot of guys that do that and you can't go wrong doing that and, and uh, obviously we've had some very good players uh, along the way um, I do think we win a lot of football games because we're a family we create a family uh, one of the interesting things we do in our program is on Monday nights during the season we have a non-football meeting so we sit down as position we talk about uh, things that are outside of football now that is hard for a football coach yeah, <laughs> right? sure. to talk about uh, stuff uh, so why do we do that? I ask recruits, why do you think we do that? And they look at me like, I don't know. We're trying to get to know you. Yeah. We're trying to get to know everything about you. And, and we're trying to get to a point, Kelly, where we can look at and say, I love you. And they don't flinch. And they say, I love you back. And we don't flinch. And you can't say anything stronger to a person than I love you. So when you guys do that, what are some of the unexpected benefits you've seen from implementing those non-football meetings? 
their guard down. You know, they, they're, they're these cool guys that walk around with these headsets and, and do all this stuff. But in the meeting, it's like the kitchen table. It's like the dining room table. You're sitting around just having a conversation. And so uh, I think for some guys, it's been really hard because it, it, that's not what they expect. Uh, but in the end, uh, the, the benefit is we become really, really close as a team and, and as position groups. And uh, I get to meet with the kickers, so I get to meet with those guys. And I just – I look forward. I look forward to that Monday night meeting, and, and uh, it's really cool. And, and to leave nothing to chance, which is one of our, our, our statements around here, we've developed 48 different topics. So a coach can't go in there and be unprepared. He's got 48 <laughs> different topics he can use uh, throughout the season. That's awesome. The way that student-athletes communicate now is so different um, even from when I was a, an athlete at Arizona State, just with the, the texting and the way phones have evolved, how have you had to adapt your communication style over to the years to fit the changing student-athletes? The biggest thing I do is I rely on my assistants. Um, here's what I say every year. I, I tell my assistants, they're, they're my position group, right? So I literally try to live through uh, the assistant coaches, and, and so um, – yeah, when you've been at a place for as long as I have, and you can tell stories from not a couple of years ago, but decades ago, I think it kind of it it kind of separates you or ages you. And so, I really rely on our assistants to communicate uh, certain things to our players. Uh, you know, when, when when they understand when I'm out of my comfort zone, so I'm going to be myself, and, and I think they respect that. One of the things that that you're your program does that's really unique um, that I love to hear about is you, you do an annual coaches sons trip for your staff. And, and how did that idea originate? We have four children, Kelly, and, and uh, we have two boys and our oldest son is Isaac. And, and as you know, uh, especially in college football, you miss a lot of family time. I, I figured that out later on. And so I took our son Samuel on some trips. Uh, he's 26 now. And it dawned on me that, why can't every every dad get to do that? And so uh, we're taking seven sons on our Missouri State trip, and and uh, I, it's twofold. All right, it's number one. I'm 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 saying to those guys, your family's more important than your football team. Our 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 football players get to see their position coaches as dads, and I think that's powerful because we're trying to raise these players up also in, in every positive way we can. Yeah. And, and then there's what a great memory for a, for a seven-year-old kid to go on a bus trip or a plane trip uh, with the football team. So it's, it's so many positive things. It, it's cool. Yeah. You're, you're close friends with Illinois State head coach Brock Spack. What's one thing that people would be surprised to learn about your friendship with him? Well, his daughter is his director of football operations, and I give her a hug every every time. I, I love Coach Spack. I love his family. Uh, I respect him uh, so much. Uh, I think I think uh, we're very similar in the in the sense that uh, we we have things in perspective, and just we we've clicked. You know, you get to spend uh, a day together at the Missouri Valley Football Conference meetings, and he's one of the guys I really look forward to seeing. But I really respect his program, too. He's done a phenomenal job there. One of your assistants shared with me that you make the coaching staff lunch every Tuesday in season. Um, and, and I think it's important to note, too, that you don't cater it. You actually, you're the one in there at 7 a.m. in the kitchen, you know, throwing the meat and the vegetables in the crock pot. 
And so the, this one assistant had told me it's that it smells like he remembers his grandma's kitchen smelling as a kid. Why is why is making the time to do this for your other co- coaches such a priority for you? Well, number one, I, I want them to utilize their time, and uh, so they, they they don't have to leave the office. Uh, I think it's kind of cool to come to the office and smell uh, a roasted chicken or uh, uh, pork loin or wild rice soup. You know, I get a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> uh, again, it's it's a, it's an example that head football coaches really don't do a whole lot. No. So I do have time to throw together a meal, and and uh, uh, they appreciate it. And you know, one thing. I want all our coaches to to come away with our program and our players. I want everybody to know you can be a servant leader and there's power in that. And that's all I'm trying to do is make a meal, uh, keep them in the office so they can work and then and show them that I, I, I'm willing to serve them. You and your wife you're, are very philanthropic in the community in there in Brookings. And why is child hunger such a meaningful cause to you? Uh, that goes way back. Um, well, both our sets of parents uh, are very giving, and my father specifically uh, had went through some health problems, and and uh, he 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 got on his knees to be to be honest with you, and 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 prayed for health, and promised that uh, he would he would do everything he could to uh, take care of people in the world, and so I saw that example as a, as a young man, and it it, it marked me, and so. Um, there's a lot of people that are hurting and uh, the, the, the Bible says when you did it for me, you did it for the least. And there's a lot of least of these in the world. And uh, how simple is it to, to uh, just have a matching fund to, to help raise food for, for people that are hungry. They're hungry right beside you and right beside me. They're, they're in our own neighbors, na- neighborhood. So uh, uh, it's rewarding and it's what we need to do. Coach, you, you grew up on a farm. Is that correct? I did. How has that shaped you now? And I realize obviously you're in, in football, but I'm sure a lot of the values you learned growing up and working on a farm um, really translate to football. Well, again, I, I said our program is based on, on, on hard work and character. That's what my dad taught me on the farm. Uh, you know, it taught me to be disciplined. It, it taught me to do things right. It taught me that you get up in the morning, you go to work, and you, 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 sometimes you don't get to eat and you finish late at night. Uh, and that just became the fabric of my life. My dad assumed I was going to be a farmer and that, that was his plan for my life. And when I told him I want to be a coach again, as a great uh, parent, he said, go for it, uh, pursue your dream, which is another thing we talk about in our, in our program. But I will say this, you know, I spent my, my, a lot of my life in a 50, 20 John Deere tractor talking <laughs> to myself. It's, it's been, uh, it, it was, it, it changed me. It, it marked me in a positive way. You tapped three of your current assistants to fill coordinator positions uh, for this coming season. What advice did you have for each of them to try and put their unique stamp on the offense and defense? I said, my job when we hire somebody is to make us better. And so I assume by hiring you or by elevating you or by naming you, uh, a coordinator, a co-coordinator, uh, we are going to be better. So really expectation-wise, I mean, we, we graduated Taryn Christian, one of the best quarterbacks ever. we got to recruit somebody better than Taryn Christian, right? Yeah. That's the goal. And so same thing with the coordinator. So um, I, I'm excited about that. And I do believe uh, – I, I believe in the self-fulfilling prophecy. When you look at a person and think they're going to be great, 
they have a better chance of being great than if you try to test them all the time. And so that's essentially what I was telling our coordinators. Nice. When you're establishing the depth chart at camp, what are some of the intangibles you're looking for in the leaders of each position group? Well, you know what we do, Kelly, is um, before the season starts, I ask the coaches by position, who, who is the leader? Who do they think is the leader? Mm-hmm. And who are the difference makers? And then our, our players know as we're stretching during fall camp, I will walk a list. I'll kneel by one of those guys and I'll say, your coach has labeled you as the leader. I, I look forward to seeing that. I know that will happen. I, I'll go up to the difference maker and I'll say, your coach has labeled you a difference maker. Do you know what that means? And most of the time they understand that there's more expected of them than some of the other guys because of their age or their ability or whatever. And so it uh, literally happens during stretch during fall camp that I walk around and try to elevate these guys. And again, going back to how you look at a player and how you believe in a player, so, so many of us don't do that. So many of us wait for a player to show a great thing to, to totally believe in, and all we do is hold them back. And so I'm trying to be proactive and saying, lead, be a difference maker, and, and, and take the next step. What's one thing that is unique to this year's squad that excites you about coaching this group? Well, it's unique that we don't have Taron Christian. You know, he's been our starter for four years. Uh, I I think uh, the excitement is all the skill we have on offense. We have really good receivers. We have a number of good running backs. And so even though we we don't have a veteran quarterback, uh, we do have a lot of guys we can use on offense. Um, So I I think that would be it. I'm excited about Coach Eck. Uh, and his putting his stamp on the offense and excited about Coach Rogers and Coach Bergstrom and the defense. Uh, we're going to be a different football team. We really are. You'll see a different offense and a different defense. And, and again, like I said, it's got to be better because that's our goal. How has being a grandfather of two made you a better coach? Well, it spoiled me, number one. <laughs> I don't know if that makes you a better coach. But, uh, you know, uh, being, being a grandfather is just the most amazing thing, being a grandparent is the most amazing thing. And people say that, but you, you just, you don't know what that means. And so uh, one of the cool things I've been able to do is take our, our uh, grandson Oliver to the press conference. Nice. And again, say to, to uh, not necessarily the nation, but say to some people that might watch that my family is really important to me. And this little guy that's sitting beside me is, is really, really important to me. It's made me, it's made me appreciate days more. It's made me appreciate time more. Um, nothing better than a jump hug from your grandson comes running and jumps into your arms. Uh, might be my favorite feeling uh, of all time. Coach, you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, Taryn Christian, and ha- have you been able to talk to him uh, since you know he was able to to get on with in, in the NFL with the team? You know, he, he signed with uh, Dallas. I haven't I haven't uh, heard uh, what's going on yet. I wished him good luck. Uh, Taryn is a real business-like guy. If you've dealt with him, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's relational, he's loving and so on, but he's a little, little bit guarded too. So our relationship was uh, somewhat business-like, yeah. uh, but I, but I, I, I pray he'll do well. Uh, I believe he can stick in the NFL and, and would have a great future. So, uh, I, when our guys go to the NFL, I don't bug them. They yeah. get, they get so many people. <laughs> Uh, doing stuff, uh, you know, my, my investment in those guys is send them a note at the start and then just keep them my thoughts and prayers. Yeah, that makes sense. What is a, a motto um, that you live your life by? Uh, leave nothing to chance. 
and then uh, uh, what that means to me is uh, every decision it can impact your life. Every action can impact your life. Um, and, and pay attention to everything. I always have a, a pencil and a, and, a, and, a, and a piece of paper on my back pocket because if I think of something or somebody says something that I'm, I should do or I want to remember, I write it down. Uh, I'm a little anal that way, but uh, uh, I, I think we're, we're on earth to use every minute we have. And why not do that? And uh, the other thing I think is really important to our football program and me is we say last play. Yeah. What does last play mean? It means if this was my last day of life, how would I how would I spend it? If this was my last play in football, how would I want to be remembered? And when you put that standard on your on your existence, whether it's on the football field or just in living your life, that, that's a daunting thought that 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 uh, this could be my last day, and so I better squeeze everything out of it. I, I can a better impact people in a positive way. And, uh, you know, we said that last year, Isaac Walsh, our senior running back, dislocated his hip and, and was a pitcher of last play after having an unbelievable start. So uh, leave nothing to chance and last play are very powerful in my life and uh, in our program. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share or you think is important to know? Well, you know, I started out in this profession um, – I was a student coach. I was going to be a high school teacher and a, and a, and a uh, math teacher and a, and a coach. And I fell in love with coaching football. And so I promised all my roommates tickets to the Rose Bowl. And so my, I really had my, my, my sights set. You know, years ago, the Rose Bowl was the Big Ten and the Pac-10 or 12, whatever it was. And, and that was the goal. I was going to climb that ladder and, and really I went to Wisconsin for a year in pursuit of that and figured out that's not the way I was wired. So going back to being here, 30 some years, 23 years, you need to figure out who you are. And, and, and I had to go through the experience to figure out that, that this is the place for me and this is the level for me and my family. And, and it's been really good for us. That's great. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time, especially such a, during such a busy time of year for you. Uh, I'm looking forward. I know we have a game in Brookings this year that we're doing and looking forward to that. I think we actually have you a couple of times this year, uh, once on the road too. So look forward to, just seeing you in person and, and chatting more then. I look forward always, all right? You take care, okay? Okay, you too. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard from Coach John Stiglmeyer and our NVFC First and Goal podcast, take a moment to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Lineupmedia.fm also is home to many other sports podcasts, shows like Two Birds on a Bat, Blues NHL Podcasts, and Fairways and Greens. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First and Goal with Kelly Bird, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.